before we launch into this episode, I want to thank the sponsor, Chelsea Green Publishing. Chelsea Green publishes expert authors and practitioners that bring practical, in-depth, hands-on knowledge to life. Interested in learning more? Check them out at chelseagreen.com. This is Salmon Folk Radio. episode four, and we're starting off on day two. And I'm going to start off episode four by saying I really hope that you listen to episode three, because man, that episode was a doozy. But let me, let me catch you up to where I'm at right now. I'm going to pick up right where episode three left off. So I had traveled to Salt Spring Island right after landing at Victoria Airport, and I went there to meet and film an activist who was swimming around the entirety, 80 kilometers around Salt Spring Island, a pretty big deal. And it was a swim having to do with preserving orcas and protecting them and the Salish Sea. So that's why I was on Salt Spring Island. Uh, So my first day on Vancouver Island ended on Salt Spring Island with me waking up at the Harbor Hotel in Ganges Harbor. And, uh, My main job that day was to find my way up to Campbell River, where I would finally meet the group from Norway, which had traveled all the way over, and we were all going to meet at this campsite up in Campbell River. So I woke up, and I first went down to Ganges Harbor because I love watching the seaplanes land and take off. And then I made my way over to Fulford Harbor, Um, Just for reference, Salt Spring Island is a very small island. You can probably drive from the Fulford Harbor over to Vesuvius, which is sort of on the north end of the island. I don't know, maybe if memory serves me correctly, in about an hour. Um, One of the most beautiful drives you'll ever do in your whole life, by the way. I highly recommend going to Salt Spring Island. It's, It's just this insanely magical place. And anyway, so went to Fulford Harbor got on the ferry, and my day was starting. So that's where we're starting off at, and we're going to end with me and Martin standing in a river. And if you need a refresher about who Martin is, the group that I was going to meet in Campbell River are Martin Lee Mueller, who is the author of the book Being Salmon, Being Human, and Torgair Vosvik. He is a Sami voice musician, a Yoik voice artist, and I was also going to meet Georgiana Kiebel, who is a Norwegian storyteller, and all three of them were traveling to Vancouver Island to go on tour where they were doing a live stage performance based on Martin's book. So how cool is that? Anyway, on with the story. On the whole ferry ride, I was... Ignorant of geography, and so 
I was looking everywhere for fish farms, going from one side of the boat to the other, wondering if there were fish farms down that way. There aren't any in that particular area, though. And then the other thing, of course, that I was looking for was Telequa. You know, I, I knew by then that the event was happening, and I didn't know if orcas would end up swimming right past the boat, and I might witness this, this tragic event. I did not, though. And again, if you want to know who Telequa is, episode number three is just a click away. So I continued on the ferry ride, made it back to the Schwartz Bay Terminal, drove over to the airport, and finally got my missing luggage, which meant the rest of the trip could proceed because I definitely did not have enough money to stay in hotels without all my camping gear for the next seven days. My old trusty classic Gregory backpack, now converted to travel film pack. So here's me in the car right after getting my stuff back. What's also really interesting about being here is everyone knows about salmon. I mean, everyone I've talked to feels connected to salmon. Even just the guy who went and got my bags um, in the airport, he was chatting with me and he's like, hey, so they were telling me about your film project. And I was like, they were? He's like, yeah, about salmon. And he knows exactly when the salmon come back in. He's like, well, you should be here in October, November when the salmon return happens. And I was just thinking, like, back in North Carolina, if you went to someone and said, hey, where, where do trout live, or where do bass live, or, you know, any other kind of fish species, and I think most North Carolinians wouldn't know the answer to that. But here, everyone knows about salmon. It's pretty interesting. And I also had a few comments just on, you know, fun local observations about what it was like to be in a foreign country. All right, I had to run back in because... I'm super dehydrated. So the people at the budget rental car gave me a free Vancouver Island map, even though I'm not renting from them. Then, because I'm a fan of How I Met Your Mother, you know I had to do this. Hortons, you won't understand it if you ever watch How I Met Your Mother. But check this out, this is crazy. So I went to the exchange place for the money. They got a thing that's a quarter that's worth $2. And just to show you how much this is a voyage of discovery, meaning there's a lot of things I didn't research before I came here. I actually thought Canada was just Canada. I had no idea it was still considered a part of the commonwealth of the empire or what have you, but check out this money. It's see-through. There's the old queen, transparent maple, and then this thing over here, and it's got like her face and a hologram. So, She's a stern-looking woman. All right. And then it was time for me to head up north for the long drive to meet the group. And I had a lot of time on my hands to think and just to wonder about how it is that I came to be on the island in the first place. I reflected a lot about my original plans for the trip and how those changed. So you might be asking yourself if it looks like I'm not going to be able to meet with Ernest Alfred or Alexander Morton and that was the basis of the original trip. What could still be so interesting that could draw me there? Well, when I first spoke with Martin about the performance based on his book, I had no idea what to expect. As Martin said, well, if you want to get a feeling for what it's going to look like, go to our Facebook page. It's a Norwegian word, Lakse Eventur. 
and it means salmon fairy tale, which is to mean, if memory serves me correctly, the Norwegian salmon industry's false narrative and fairy tale that they can just grow salmon as biomass without any consequences. And so I went and uh, I watched the video. They're all standing on the shore of this gorgeous body of water, crystal blue sky, and Torgeir Vosvik is playing the guitar and also doing the Yoik voice art. Georgiana Keepel is the female voice that you hear, and Martin Lee Mueller is the male voice narration that you hear. I am a tiny egg. Only one people agreed to return, said the old fish. Our people, the salmon people. bodies grow so fast that their hearts grow upside down or their spines cripple. So be it. A stranger was coming up the hill. She looked so like the girl they had lost three years before, but bigger and stronger. Yes, she said, it's me, Salmon Girl. I sense Earth's magnetism and I steer by the sun and the stars. And I'm never lost. The thin brother had made a magic fishing net filled with flesh. Don't call it meat, he said. That's so uncivilized. Call it biomass. It was just like magic to me. And so I was so drawn into this right away. I mean, all I can say is it's just another way that somehow human beings were communicating to me the story of salmon. And I was so impacted by the way that salmon seemed to be connecting to these people. And so what I was looking forward to was basically meeting these people who had dedicated a huge amount of creativity towards one goal, getting fish farms out of the ocean. And I just hadn't come across that kind of commitment before through an artistic expression, you know, specifically geared towards saving wild salmon. I just knew that, honestly, their commitment intimidated me and impressed me. And I couldn't wait to spend time with them just to see what I could learn about what drove them to have that kind of commitment. And I also found myself thinking a lot about this one particular section in the book, Being Salmon, Being Human. And in this section, Martin brings up a term called hoquat. And to get into this topic of hoquat, here is Martin himself, reading directly from his book, starting on page 179. 
1787, 32-year-old Captain Robert Gray, a veteran of the Revolutionary War, was commissioned by Boston merchants to make a trip along the coast of the Pacific Northwest. On that journey, Captain Robert Gray became the first American-born European to circumnavigate the planet. He returned from his expedition and soon after embarked on another journey to the Pacific Northwest. Captain Gray kept a meticulous log of his southward journey along the Pacific coast. He sailed past what is now known as Vancouver Island, a name commemorating another European sailor, the British Captain George Vancouver, past the Juan de Fuca Strait and down the coast of the Olympic Peninsula. One day, Gray anchored in a bay that was home to the Quino people. Cedar dugout canoes came out to his ship. The indigenous cautiously inspected their visitors. Gray invited the natives to come on board. They interacted with the crew. The ethnographer, teacher, and storyteller Chuck Larson once decided he would take the logs of Captain Robert Gray to the present elders of the Quino tribe. Of both Norwegian and Native American ancestry, Larson long nurtured a curiosity for the way stories of white expansionism are told from the other side, from the side of the disprivileged speakers. He read to the elders from Gray's logs. When he was done reading, Larson asked them, What is your side of the story? How have these events been handed to you through your oral tradition for more than 200 years? It became very quiet in the room. The eldest looked at one another. One began to chuckle, and then another. Somebody said, Hokwat. The Quino wanted to trade, and they wanted to have a good look at the ship. They stayed aboard for several hours. There was much to see, inspect, observe. When they were ready to go, the Quino said farewell to their visitors. Then they left and rode back to shore. When they landed, they said, What was that all about? These strange new humans are ugly. They smell. There was also a detail of their encounter that stuck out, a detail they marveled at. Something was missing from these people. They were incomplete. They were partial people. When you interacted with them, it was like seeing someone off in the distance without any clear contours. You saw them and you could not see them. Not really. Their details were obscured. It was as if these new humans were clothed in a constant veil of fog. At long last, they found an expression that captured these observations as well as the puzzlement they felt. Hoquat, they said. Hoquat. In their tongue, it means the people who aren't all there. The word is non-judgmental. It does not point a finger. It merely distills an experience to its essence. Something was missing from these people.
And that wraps up the narration directly from Martin's book, Being Sam and Being Human. Chelsea Green is the company that published Martin's book. This actually reminds me, though, of an experience that happened to me in July of 2021. It happened just last week. I went into my local health food store, and I was looking at all the farm salmon products that they had, and I decided I wanted to ask the butcher some questions. And so I approached the butcher, and I said, hey, I would like to know how to get in touch with your corporate people who handle the buying decisions for what goes into this particular franchise branch. And, you know, the guy was really helpful, and he goes, oh, sure, I can give you that contact information, but if you don't mind me asking, what's, what's your aim? And I said, well, I've been working on salmon farm um, stuff, trying to figure out how to encourage different grocery stores eventually to phase out the use of farmed salmon product. And the person looks at me and they go, hey, I'm with you on this. I I agree. However, you've got to understand it's never going to happen. And I, I said, well, why do you say that? Before I say what he said, I want to go back to what my fly fishing buddy said, back to what Eric McDuffie was saying back in episode two, when he had talked about he wants to be a part of the restoring of the human and natural world. Okay, so this butcher, he's leaning over the counter, right? And he's telling me that we have to concede because everyone wants salmon and that the demand is just too great. And that farmed salmon is now in every restaurant, every store. He says that we have to feed the world and that people will go hungry if we stop farming salmon. And I have to admit, it's a very powerful narrative. As he says this to me, I even have a flash of, why am I even trying to push this boulder up this hill? And it makes me go back to the tale of the captain and Hoquat. As I was standing there at the butcher aisle, that's literally what I was thinking about. Because I think about what a person who isn't there would want. You get what I'm saying? Someone who's disconnected from land, someone who doesn't have a geographic place to call home because they don't live indigenously anymore. And so, to me, this is my opinion, I think that would create an emptiness in a person. And how would someone fill that emptiness? How much would be enough to fill a void of having no connected place on earth to live at? I think this is what happens. What you want is more of whatever can fill the void of not being there. And all we need to do is look at history and ask, how much has ever been enough for the modernist way of approaching the natural world? We live in a story where modernist humans believe that it's a born right to have what they want, when they want, and in whatever vast quantities they want it in. (laughs) So being literally disconnected from the land, as most of us are, We can't see what living with nature as the center of our story can do for us. We've lost that story. Mostly, we just want more of what pleases us as a result of this loss. And our relationship with the natural world is not at the center of the modernist story. 
what the butcher is not thinking of is the true story, which is nature can provide enough salmon when left alone for those who dwell where salmon naturally spawn and live. And my challenge to him is, is there something wrong with learning to live within that reality? I mean, that's how people lived. And for some indigenous cultures and First Nations people around the globe, that's still how they live. But fish farming is encroaching on that. So couldn't we make it a goal to make it this way again? Couldn't we be a part of a new story? I mean, here's the thing. The natural world isn't invested in creating enough salmon for every single person around the world who wants to eat one. But corporations are invested in it. Over 40 years ago, Maui, that used to be called Marine Harvest, found ways to mass produce a naturally occurring fish, good old salmon, and they started growing more salmon in open nets than naturally existed anywhere. But they had a problem. There was no demand for it. Forty years ago, salmon were not in every restaurant. They were not in every grocery store. They were not being flown all around the globe. So Norwegian companies wrote themselves a new story. They mastered the art of convincing the world that salmon is for everyone, everywhere, and that should be the new normal. And more recently, the new narrative is that they are feeding the world's hungry, that these Norwegian companies are basically saying, we're going to save the world, and that without their product, people will starve. And that incredible marketing machine is exactly why the butcher told me it's too late to turn the tide. He's telling me that's why salmon is on every menu and in every grocery store, because it has to be that way. What salmon farming companies, though, what they don't want you to remember is that farmed salmon is nothing more than a luxury-priced item. Now, note I did not say wild salmon. I said farmed salmon. Farmed salmon is what you eat when you have extra money. Farmed salmon is not a food staple that the planet relies upon. And actually, if you want to protect food supplies for the world's impoverished, which is a pretty big deal, then boycotting farmed salmon actually means more food is available to the world's poor. As the natural ocean ecosystems recover from the damage created by salmon farming and by creating the massive amount of foods that are required to pull from the ocean in order to feed a farmed carnivorous fish. So saying no to farmed salmon is one of the most easy ways to become a part of a new story of the earth and human relationship. And so I was just looking at this guy and thinking, that's Hoquat. That's what happens when you're so disconnected and you're so invisible to the natural world and to yourself. That's, that's the story that most of us are living inside of and the one that we perceive the world through. continued my drive up Highway 19. That's the main highway you would take from Sydney, where Victoria Airport is, pretty much all the way up on the east coast side of the island. 
Everything's breathtaking. Every new curve held the promise of a profoundly beautiful, breathtaking view, and I was never disappointed. I drove with the windows down the most time just so I could experience the fresh air. And again, all of this is comparing it to back where I'm from. A very large city, you know, lots of rush hour traffic. So it was just quite an experience for me to be in a place that felt so fresh, wild, invigorating, alive. It was just so different for me. And so finally, just around sunset, I pulled into Elk Falls Campground. And there they were, just like three normal people, which just wasn't what I was expecting. I thought they would all be 10 feet tall. I even drove past their campsite at one point, determining, well, the site says number 12, but that can't be them. That's just people hanging out. (laughs) And then I realized I was wrong, and so I I pulled back in, and I jumped out of the car, and I was like, That's not them. (laughs) Hey, Marty. Hey, Charlie. Finally. Good to meet you at last in person. Hi. (laughs) You know, Martin was just a normal-looking person, kind of walking around the campsite. Georgiana, I believe, was sitting over at a picnic table. Torgeyer was in his tent at the time. And anyway, the rest of the day went by sort of in a blur. We were all really hungry. We went out to eat in Campbell River. My car broke down. Yes, my car broke down right there at the restaurant. Um, Luckily, a super friendly British Columbia person um, opened their closed auto repair garage and fixed it on the spot for me. And I was able to get back to the campsite Uh, not too late. And then we just all crashed and slept really, really well. And then when we woke up, it was day three. Okay. So it is the morning of day three. And this was our campsite from last night. Site number 12 at Elk Falls Provincial Park. It was pretty fantastic. The guys were not in the, really in the mood to be filmed as of yet, so, but we feasted on the yummy blackberries. And I was recording this actually after the group had left ahead of me to do the day's events, which I am uh, don't want to say what it was yet because that would be a spoiler. But they had left already, and I was walking around with my GoPro just kind of, you know, again, because this is originally going to be a film, I was getting a lot of visuals. So I'm walking around this amazing forested area, you know, with thick blackberry bushes growing everywhere that basically we like ate that for breakfast. I mean, not the whole thing, but we ate a lot of blackberries for breakfast. And then the Quinsome River is right on the edge of the campsite. What was really amazing is that right here in this river, in the Quinsome River, he was awakened by the sound of salmon swimming upstream and splashing. He thought someone was swimming. I did not hear it. And then I woke up and then I came down and uh, it was my first time ever seeing salmon. And what you're about to hear, just listen very carefully for the splashing sounds. All the splashing sounds you hear are the salmon that Martin and I had filmed when we first woke up and saw these salmon splashing around. I mean, look how shallow that water is. And they were just going right up it. And so we were out there on those rocks 
he was like, hey, go out there and film. So I went out there and filmed, and they were swimming right up to us. And so what I was looking at was this beautiful, crystal clear river, maybe at the most two feet deep in places. Some nice rocks sticking out, big enough so you could kind of rock hop across about halfway of this 40-foot spance. It was maybe about 60 feet across in some spots. Flowing pretty good. Beautiful green trees everywhere, branches dipping down into the water. And, you know, for me, it was wild because suddenly there I was for the first time hanging out alone with Martin Lee Mueller, this person from Norway who wrote this book that changed my life. And here I am standing next to him. And then to top it all off, we're both standing in this river as salmon start jumping up all around us. So I'm hanging out with the guy who wrote the book about trying to save wild salmon from open net salmon farms. How many people get to stand on a riverbank or out in the middle of the river actually with one of their favorite authors? I was feeling pretty lucky. If we have 200 salmon moving in the season, we'll be happy. This is a small river going through the capital of Norway, to Oslo, okay. you know. And um, historically, the river was used as a sewage canal for industry. Okay. Sides were hardened. hardened. Yeah. So precious spawning bed would have been lost. Five or six years ago, there was a big chlorine spill in the river where 6,000 liters of chlorine spilled into the river overnight. It was an accident, but it essentially sterilized the entire river, killing everything down to the microbes. And um, so, yeah, you could think of 200 salmon in our home river as few, but you can also think of it as a, you know, a sign of the incredible resilience of these creatures. <laughs> you know, they are still there, even though we have tried so hard to wipe them out, you know. So there's different ways of looking at it. We just observed, well, I just observed that they, they flow upstream together, and then we saw them going downstream, and what I think is interesting is that they go together, because never being around salmon at all, you know, you see all the movies of them going upstream individually. You know, like, I think down in the States, we've all seen the iconic thing of them flopping in slow motion as a grizzly bear grabs them out of the air, but I always thought of them as solitary. They seem to be playing. Right, right. Right? <laughs> How dare they just move down when they're supposed to be, according to the story we've all been told, they're supposed to be just moving upstream. And yet these are creatures and they're playing and they seem to be, you know, having a good time and it seems even that this this guy here came to check us out they're not acting like Didn't biomass they? at all they're not acting like biomass they're acting like subjects like sentient subjects shortly thereafter georgiana and torgeyer both woke up we all threw together some breakfast and then it was time for the big outing we had a big plan for the day and i'll bet you'd like to know what it is so one of the things i've been holding out on you is the topic of Dennis Reed. Dennis Reed runs a website called fishfarmingnews.blogspot.com and you should check it out. Dennis is a walking encyclopedia of anything you want to know about what 
fish farms are doing around the world, specifically fish farms that raise salmon. It's one of the most visited sites regarding this topic. And what happened is I, we met online somehow during my research. I noticed that he always knew what was going on. He was the guy that always had the statistics and the facts and the figures and kind of all the behind the scenes, how are these gears turning sort of information. And so when I told him at one point that we were coming out, me and the group, he graciously said, I will give you guys a tour. If you would like to see what healthy salmon rivers look like, um, I'm an avid fly fisherman and I will take you around and show you these ecosystems. And so, of course, the group was really excited about that. And as for me, I had never seen a salmon river or salmon habitat in my entire life. And so that was the plan for the day. And so in the next episode... We're actually going to take a short break from the main storyline here on Vancouver Island because a really cool thing happened in Argentina in July of 2021. The fish farming industry was banned from the entire country. Tiny little Argentina did what so many other countries have still not been able to do. I got an interview with two of the women who were key players in making this ban a reality. And something I love in particular about what happened in Argentina is I feel like this kind of movement is part of the restoring. It's all, everything I'm talking about in this podcast is part of a new story. Except the story doesn't have the happy ending unless everybody gets involved. And so that's exciting to me to see how can we get people involved. And so I'm really excited about the next episode where Martina and Maya, the two women that I interview, talk about how you get people motivated and involved to help us all be a part of a new story. And after the Argentina episode, we'll be right back to Vancouver Island for that day in those amazing ecosystems spent with Dennis Reed. Big thanks to Jay at Seabold Sound for the sound design, original music, and mix. Thanks to Torgeir Vosvik at VASSVIK.com for the use of his music. And as for me, you can find me at SalmonFolk.com, where there is a link for a GoFundMe. A donation of any amount lands you in the co-executive producer role, and your name gets listed at the end of these episodes. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to see it keep going, and on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen, please hit that review button. And please do share Salmon Folk Radio with everyone on your list. This is Salmon Folk Radio.